This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode 94, entitled, Is Jesus a Heavenly Angel in John's Apocalypse? So today we'll be looking at the Apocalypse of John, known to most people as the Book of Revelation. Not revelations in the plural, but the book of Revelation. As always, the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. I appreciate you so much for joining us today. As always, I am your host, Dustin Smith. I'd be happy to hear about the conversations that you've been having with your friends, your family, your pastor, your Bible study group about the humanity of Jesus, and the fact that God is one person in Scripture. Be sure to check us out on Facebook. You can search for the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Request to join, and we'd be happy to hear about those interactions that you have been having. They're always very interesting conversations to hear about. We have spent a half dozen episodes looking at whether the popular teaching that Jesus Christ is actually an angel from heaven, a teaching insisted upon by ancient and modern Christians alike, is actually what the Bible teaches. After a deep study of the four Gospels, the book of Acts, the theology of the Apostle Paul, the book of Hebrews, the letter of 1 Peter, there's really no indication that an angelic Christology is held by any of the New Testament authors. So today we conclude our study by looking at the book of Revelation, a document that is confusing for many and wholly avoided by others. Now some New Testament scholars, and I mean actual New Testament scholars trained at Harvard and Durham, have actually argued in their books that the Apocalypse of John portrays Jesus as a heavenly angel. So I read their books, and I gave their arguments a fair hearing. I tried to really understand where they were coming from and really listen to their arguments and see if there was any merit to them, and I'm open to being persuaded and to have my mind changed. Having worked on a dissertation on Revelation myself, I feel pretty comfortable navigating through its visionary contents. I am open to being corrected when persuasive data is presented to me. How have I adjusted my reading of Revelation in light of the arguments by these New Testament scholars who suggest that Jesus is depicted therein as an angel from heaven? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at Jesus and his personal angel within Revelation. Yes, you heard it. Jesus has his own personal angel within the book of Revelation. We're going to start by looking at the very first verse, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, which says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to show to his bondservant the things which must soon take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his bondservant John. That's Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. And so this 
opening passage is extremely crucial for making sense of how Revelation is structured and how it conveys its message to the readers. It begins by listing off a chain of command, per se, and this hierarchy is pretty easy to observe. God is at the top as he gave the revelation to Jesus Christ. So there's a distinction between God and Jesus Christ. And then Jesus sent and communicated the revelation through what this verse describes as his angel. Quote, his angel. And the angel passes it on to John. So we have in this chain of command, God, then Jesus, then Jesus' angel, and then John. And of course, John sends it to the seven churches, and modern readers are the recipient of the letter as yet another stage. Now, there are a few points that deserve some comment here. First, the angel is described as Jesus' angel. An angel, by the way, that is linked with Jesus in some special way. We don't really have this depicted anywhere else in the New Testament, so I'm making this an important point. And of course, it's something that Revelation wants to lead off with in its initial chapter and verse. Now, this angel that belongs to Jesus is almost certainly a heavenly angel rather than some unnamed human messenger. It is also interesting to note that the end of the book of Revelation, in chapter 22, verse 16, Jesus again states that he has sent his angel. So Revelation is capped at the beginning and the end with the notice that Jesus possesses his own angel. And this makes a significant point as to how we understand Jesus vis-a-vis his own angel within the book of Revelation. The second point is that the chain of command here in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1 needs to be interpreted through the lens of the ancient principle of agency. Yes, the principle of agency. The principle of agency states that a sender is wholly represented by the one who is sent. So if I send out Tom on a mission, then Tom would represent Dustin in every possible way. In the case of our present passage, God gives the revelation to Jesus. So Jesus is going to represent God in the carrying out of that revelation. We also note that Jesus sends his own angel. So the angel, understandably, will represent Jesus. And one could go a step further and note that the angel delivers the message to John. So John is going to bear the authority of all the previous senders in that chain of command. And this indicates that his original readers should very well listen to what John has to say. Now, for the purposes of our study today, it is vital and crucial that we take note that the angel sent by Jesus functions as a commissioned representative of Jesus, representing Jesus as an agent. 
and this will become important later in our study when we look at a few interesting passages. Let's look at that passage in chapter 22 where Revelation again indicates that Jesus possesses his own angel. This is Revelation 22 and verse 16. Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. That's Revelation 22, verse 16. Just as Revelation begins with the note that Jesus has his own angel functioning as a representative agent, the book ends with much of the same. Here, Jesus speaks in the first person, declaring that he has sent his angel to John. We again note that Jesus possesses his own heavenly messenger. We also can observe that Jesus' angel was to testify in a way that would be carried from Jesus through the angel to John and on to the seven Asian churches. Clearly, Jesus' personal angel is crucial to the communication of the contents of Revelation, both in the chain of command and in the moving of information from the sender to the recipients. It's also really important to note that Jesus admits that he is a descendant of David, making Jesus out to be a human being. King David, in 1000 BCE, was a human being, and God promised David that out of David would come forth the Messiah. You can see this in 2 Samuel 7 and verse 12. To be the descendant of David would mean that Jesus is not a heavenly angel. We'll come back and talk about this because Revelation makes it a very important point to note that Jesus is a member of the human race. He is a descendant of David. He is the human Messiah. So Revelation begins and ends with the bookmarked insistence that Jesus possesses his own angel and that this heavenly angel is crucial in the act of communicating Jesus' revelatory message to the churches. Our second point today is looking at Jesus and angels regularly distinguished in Revelation. Angels show up a lot in the book of Revelation, and Jesus is regularly portrayed as the Lamb of God. And sometimes the Lamb of God and the angels appear in the same passage. Let's look at a few of those. First one we'll look at is in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5. This is in the midst of the letter to Sardis. Jesus says, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5. What can be surmised in this passage is a scene of judgment. Jesus promises to acknowledge the faithful conquering believers before God and before God's angels. It is not surprising that God has his own angels because he is God. And it's noteworthy, however, in this passage 
that there are three categories mentioned. We have Jesus as the one who confesses on behalf of the believer. We have God and we also have God's angels. Jesus is clearly distinguished from the category of angels and if anything the angels are associated more with God than associated with the Lamb because they are the Father's angels. There's no indication here that the writer of Revelation is wanting to depict Jesus as one of these angels of heaven, even though they're all mentioned together in the same passage. Let's look at another passage where Jesus and the angels are mentioned together, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 10. It says, He also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. That's Revelation 14, verse 10. In what appears to be another scene of judgment, admittedly a less favorable scenario than our previous passage, we again can see three categories clearly distinguished. We can see God acting as the judge. We can see the holy angels. And we can see Jesus, who is portrayed as the Lamb of God. Now, the text does not presume that Jesus is one of the holy angels, as it goes out of its way to clearly distinguish the two. We have the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. It actually distinguishes those two pretty clearly. I mean, if Revelation was actually trying to teach that Jesus was a holy angel, this passage would certainly not be written as it currently stands. It seems to be just another casual statement that among the heavenly beings right now, we have God, we have angels, and we have the Lamb of God. And there are three clearly distinguished categories. So as we have seen, Revelation, when it depicts Jesus and the angels, its regular practice is to distinguish them, rather than to collapse them all into the same category. No indication so far that Jesus within the book of Revelation is one of the angels of heaven. Let's move on to our third point, point number three, which is looking at the worthiness of of Jesus as a human being. There is much praise and worship and honor given to Jesus in the book of Revelation, and many readers wonder why is it that Jesus is worthy of such accolades? Well, Revelation gives a pretty clear answer to that question. Let's look at a few passages. We're going to look in chapter 5 of Revelation. I'm going to start in verse 2. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah the root of David, has overcome 
so as to open the book and its seven seals. That's Revelation chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. When Revelation wants to indicate the worthiness of Jesus, it does so by indicating that Jesus is a human being. This is a critically important point in understanding why Jesus in Revelation is worthy of all the accolades that he receives. We see here that Jesus is of the line of Judah. He is of the tribe of Judah. That stems from the imagery drawn from Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 10. And Jesus is also described as coming from the line of David. Again, that passage is 2 Samuel 7 and verse 12. So if Jesus comes from the line of Judah, who is a human being, then Jesus is naturally a human descendant of Judah. If Jesus comes from the line of David, who also was a member of the human race, then Jesus is naturally a member of the human race. This is a very important point for the Jewish Messiah, who has to be the son of David. He has to be a member of the human race. So why is Jesus worthy of worship and worthy to open the scroll to reveal the will of God in the book of Revelation? Answer, he is the human Messiah who has conquered. Jesus' worthiness is bound up in his humanity. And there's no suggestion that Jesus is worthy because he is really God or because he is an exalted heavenly angel. And to be human is to be someone distinct from the category of God and from the category of heavenly angels. Because humans are flesh and blood. They're mortal. They're created beings. Let's look at another passage a few verses later in Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. This passage reads, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. It's Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. Chapter 5 of Revelation continues here by acknowledging the worthiness of Jesus. And in doing so, it regards Jesus as the Lamb, the Lamb of God. That is the most common designation of Jesus in the book of Revelation. Now, Jesus is not just any basic lamb. He is the lamb that has been slain. And actually, in the Greek text, it's better translated that Jesus is the lamb that has been slaughtered. It is the mortality of the lamb and the fact that he died as a conquering Messiah that contributes to his worthiness. In other words, as someone who was mortal and human, Jesus the Lamb was slain. And these qualifications make Jesus uniquely worthy over all other created creatures in God's universe. Notice that Jesus is worthy to receive all of those accolades, and it lists seven of them there. Of course, seven is one of those special numbers in Revelation indicating a completeness 
or perfection. Jesus receives power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. And Jesus is worthy to do all these things because he died as the human descendant of Judah, the descendant of David, as the sacrificial lamb of God. He conquered in his life and he conquered by dying. And of course, God has raised him from the dead after he redeemed humanity with his sacrificial blood. Even the heavenly angels regard Jesus as worthy of worship in this passage. And it's interesting to note that the book of Revelation twice forbids the worshiping of angels. And so this point is important for us, is that if Jesus is considerably worthy of worship, but Revelation says that you should not worship angels, then this strongly suggests that Jesus himself is not a heavenly angel. Those passages that forbid worshiping angels are in chapter 19, verse 19, and chapter 22, verses 8 through 9. Let's move on to our fourth point, which is that there are some angels that look like Jesus in the book of Revelation. These are the difficult passages in Revelation that have been suggested by New Testament scholars to argue that Jesus is actually an angel from heaven, as depicted in the theology of the book of Revelation. Let's look at these passages. Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. It's our first passage. It says, Then I looked to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the middle of the lampstands I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe reaching to his feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white, like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. It's Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Now the first thing I want to note when I look at this is that the first descriptive phrase that is used to depict this person that John turned to see is one like a son of man person who is the son of man is a human being. It's a member of the human race. So it's very important that whatever we describe and determine in regard to the contents of this particular vision, we have to first note that Revelation's initial point to the reader is that Jesus is a human being. He is one like the son of man. He is a member of the human race. Now, there are a few of the descriptive points here that draw upon a passage of the Hebrew Bible, which is Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 through 6. In Daniel chapter 10, a messenger appears to the prophet Daniel and explains a very, very, very long passage that stems from Daniel chapter 11 all the way through chapter 12. It's, in fact, the longest and most detailed vision within the book of Revelation. And so an entire chapter, Daniel chapter 10, is devoted to introducing this revelatory interpreter of the vision and the giver of the vision. And so that interpreter, that angel, we might say, 
is described in Daniel chapter 10 verses 5 through 6. Now some of the descriptions that are given in Daniel chapter 10 match what we see here in Revelation 1 verses 12 through 15. The points that match are that both the messenger in Daniel and Jesus have eyes like fire, they both have feet like bronze, and they both have a voice like tumultuous waters. Okay, so those three points are shared between Daniel chapter 10 and Revelation chapter 1. So, scholars have argued that this means that Jesus is being portrayed as this angel from heaven, the angel that we see in Daniel chapter 10. Is this really what Revelation is trying to do? Is Revelation trying to say that Jesus is a heavenly angel by drawing on some of the descriptive points of an angel in Daniel chapter 10? I mean, one could make this case, and of course it's been made, but I think it's unlikely for a few reasons. The very first thing, and I've already mentioned this, is that Jesus is described as the Son of Man, a human being. And this squarely puts Jesus in the category of humanity. The second point I would point out is that those who are familiar with Daniel 10 know that the angel reveals and explains the content of the longer visions there in chapters 11 through 12 of Daniel. So it's likely that by depicting Jesus as a revelatory figure from Daniel 10, Revelation seeks to emphasize Jesus as the revealer and authority behind Revelation's contents. This would be an important indicator and an argument for John himself, who, by the way, needed to convince his original readers why he, as a prophet, was someone worthy of the attention of the seven churches. By stating that the risen Jesus appeared to John and that Jesus was depicted as a revelatory figure, this would serve John's purposes of convincing his audience to read and listen to the book of Revelation. The entirety of Revelation chapter 1 is organized in a way to give credence as to why the seven churches need to listen to this prophet named John who is writing from the island of Patmos. Why is it that we should listen to this guy? Well, it's because Jesus actually appeared to him. And what better way to indicate the authority of Jesus by depicting Jesus through imagery and symbolism like an angel of the book of Daniel that interpreted for Daniel in a very helpful way the longest vision within the book of Daniel. I think that's actually what the function of our present passage is. So you can think for yourself, does this make sense? Is it persuasive to you? I think it has a lot of merit. Let's look at another passage, Revelation chapter 10 and verse 1. This passage says, I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head. And his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. That again is Revelation chapter 10 and verse 1. Now, some look at this passage which describes a strong angel 
and having observed that the description of this angel resembles the previous descriptive points used of Jesus, the argument is made that this angel is Jesus himself. Now, I can understand the logic behind this sort of argument, but I think its focus is too narrow. And by narrowing the focus, it sidelines some important data that emphasizes that the angel belongs to Jesus. And we observe that there was an angel belonging to Jesus both at the opening and concluding chapters of the book of Revelation. So remember, if Jesus has in his possession a special angel that acts as the revelatory and representative agent of Jesus, then it's not surprising that this angel shares some of the details of Jesus. Stated differently, if Jesus sends an angel and the angel functions within the principle of agency, then the angel is going to function as Jesus in the sense of an agent. If Jesus sends his angel, then the angel acts and speaks as if he was Jesus. So I'm not surprised when I see here an angel that looks like Jesus. We've already been introduced to the fact that Jesus has an angel specifically marked out and designated as the one that is going to communicate the contents of Revelation to John. It is also noteworthy to point out that the scroll that is in the hand of this angel, described in Revelation chapter 10, is the very same scroll that was previously in the hand of Jesus. But this angel in Revelation chapter 10 does not keep the scroll for himself. He actually gives the scroll to John and tells John to consume it. So remember, back in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, that God gave the revelation to Jesus, and Jesus sent it through his angel, and the angel ultimately gave it to John. We now see that the scroll that Jesus received from God has been given to this angel, and the angel subsequently gives it to John. So it seems likely that the description of the strong angel here in Revelation chapter 10 is portrayed in the manner that he is because he bears the representative authority and message of Jesus, the one who has sent and authorized him. So I don't think that Revelation chapter 10 and verse 1 is best understood as a strong angel who is Jesus. But it's more likely that this strong angel is Jesus' own angel who represents Jesus as the one who was authorized as a representative agent. So in conclusion, we have observed that the Bible consistently portrays Jesus Christ as the human Messiah. The Bible also regularly depicts the angels of heaven as authorized messengers acting as representative agents of the one who sent them. The New Testament does not teach that Jesus is one of these heavenly angels. And the book of Revelation is no exception to this rule. We noted in our study that the revelation of Jesus Christ came to John 
by the means of Jesus sending his angel, that is, his own representative messenger. Like the rest of the New Testament, the book of Revelation regularly distinguishes Jesus from the heavenly angels. Since the human Messiah is a separate category from the angelic hosts of heaven. Furthermore, the worthiness of Jesus, according to Revelation, is due to the vocation as the Lamb of God, who is a human being from the line of Judah and the line of David. This Messiah is the one who has conquered in his faithful life and sacrificial death. And the entirety of the angels of heaven acknowledge the human Messiah's worthiness. Lastly, the revelatory character of Revelation's genre makes for some colorful descriptions of those who help convey its message to John and to the seven churches. And the genre of apocalyptic should be taken seriously when considering how to interpret its characters. So after a half dozen episodes looking at the suggestion made by ancient and modern Christians alike that Jesus Christ is actually a heavenly angel, we can safely conclude that this Christology is foreign to the Bible. It ignores the overwhelming evidence that the Messiah of God is distinguished from angels and that the Messiah is a human being, a member of the human race. If you would like to support the Biblical Unitarian Podcast in keeping it on the air, be sure to check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. It would really help the podcast if you checked it out on iTunes and gave it an honest review and rating. It would really help get this podcast and its contents out to other people in the internet. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Again, my name is Dustin Smith for the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Thank you so much. Farewell and take care.